Hey family, it's Kay and Shai, and we are so excited to be back at you with another topic this week for the Kay and Shai Show. Today, we're talking all about nostalgia. It is an interesting concept with a checkered history. So stay tuned for some really exciting stories and a great show. Feature episode on nostalgia coming up right now. family. We are back again for an edition of the Kay and Shy Show. We are especially excited to talk about today's subject because I think we're going to bring a new light to something we're all incredibly familiar with. We're also going to bring a perspective that for those of you who have been part of the Kay and Shy family for a long time might make you jaw drop. So get ready for some big news and big perspective shifts coming out from us on this episode right now. Now we're talking about nostalgia, both from a personal sense uh, and from a scientific sense and want to just understand a little bit about the history around nostalgia. Now, earlier this year, we completed a really cool audio book. Would recommend. I think we've already talked about it here in this podcast, but please go listen to it. It's so good. Um, and it's Malcolm Gladwell's Bomber Mafia, and it's such a great audiobook. But in it, he talks about how in World War II, nostalgia was actually used as a tactic for helping to keep soldiers in the battle and, and staying happy and at play, even in really uncomfortable circumstances. And that was the first time, Shai, I had ever been exposed to the idea of nostalgia as a tool and not just an emotion. Right. Well, I had an interesting experience over the summer with a dear friend and longtime listener. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Andrea. I love you. I was uh, conversing with Andrea about nostalgia and saying, gosh, I just, I can't even remember what we're talking about, but some experience where I was saying in a really positive, reminiscent way, like it just makes me so nostalgic. And Andrea said, that's so funny. Nostalgia isn't an enjoyable emotion for me. And that really started to pique our interest into like, uh, didn't everyone experience nostalgia the same way that I do, that we do? Of course, I took this to Kay and we started thinking about about it and talking about it. But we had an experience uh, that we'll share in this episode recently that has helped us understand this other dimension of nostalgia, maybe the darker side. And in fact, that's actually where the history of nostalgia starts. Now, if we're going to go back to the root words here, yeah, we rewind in here. The term nostalgia originates from ancient Greek via New Latin and is a composite of the root words nostos, which means home, and algos, meaning pain. So, it's very much associated with this idea of kind of notion of homesickness, of yearning for something from the past, of wanting that feeling, of feeling pulled in that direction, and, and almost that feeling of missing uh, something. So it, it, origin, it originates from those words, but it was first coined in 1688, so it's only been around for a few hundred years in our vernacular. Uh, but it was originally the term uh, was designated homesickness, and it was actually classified as a neurological illness. Well, it created uh, this uh, neurological symptom in people of them being uh, depressed, right? Because yearning, as we know, can actually create a void within you because you're focused on what you do not have or what is no longer present. And so it can be something that psychologically takes control of you if you let nostalgia hold you. You know, we actually see this happening on a macro perspective in our country right now, right? Make America great again. We're looking backwards into our history and saying, wow, there's a lot of great parts about this that we miss. 
And that nostalgia is fueling uh, a new, uh, very uh, impassioned movement in the country, um, which has just been interesting to see. Nostalgia is so much more than just an emotion that you engage in. It's also a driving force for behavior. And, And what we know about a driving force for behavior is that as a behavior gets repeated over time, it becomes, and you've heard us talk about it here in the K and Shy show before, almost a hypnotic rhythm that you're not even aware is at play, but is is making decisions on a subconscious level on your behalf, whether you like it or not. Wow, gosh, that was so well said, sis. And, and I love the perspective that you just brought there and, and understanding as we talk about this and that there really are two types of nostalgia. There's this positive feeling and emotion that lots of us feel, but there's also that that something's missing and it's it's got a melancholy umbrella over the emotion of this kind of homesickness, as it was termed before we started officially calling it nostalgia. And if you look back in history as uh, some researchers have done, there's there's references to homesickness and traveler sickness for thousands of years. So this is a base human emotion. But what we know is that it can not only be experienced by the individual in a positive and negative way, but it can also be used within our economic system, our education system, our religious systems in both positive and negative ways. So there's three main categories of nostalgia to consider when we are thinking about it. So we've got personal nostalgia, right? Times in my past that I would look back to because they are, I have fond memories and I feel fondly for those times in my life. That's personal nostalgia or that, you know, yearning for a home. There's social nostalgia. So thinking back to a time when people were more connected to others, I think a, a, a fair example of this is nowadays, there's a lot of folks who say, I remember before cell phones, even us, we, we often say like, man, when I was your age, I didn't have a cell phone. I had to go walk up the street and knock on some kid's door just to see if they wanted to come outside and play. There was no texting. I would walk uh, unaccompanied by uh, without an adult up the neighborhood to go make that happen and to play in that way, right? So this is nostalgia for additional connection, which I think a lot of people are feeling right now in the age of social media. And then this cultural nostalgia, when it feels like people were more connected to the culture, which I think we see in today's political climate happening with a lot of folks looking back to a culture, uh, perhaps if of a few decades past and saying, you know what, that culture, people were more connected and therefore we need that now. Just to comment on, on this discussion here about these categories of nostalgia, Nostalgia. I actually think, Kay, your cell phone example is a perfect example of our third type here, a cultural nostalgia. We nostalgically say as a generation or any generation above Gen Z, I remember when cell phones weren't around, like we were more connected. We had more deeper meaning. We had longer attention spans. We're yearning for a cultural style that's no longer there. And when you think about this connected to others, this social nostalgia, this is what you feel when you think about like your best friend from childhood. This is what you feel when you think about whatever it was that you were involved in in high school, whether it was a sports team, maybe you were a drama kid, maybe you were in band. You get a feeling when you think back on the relationships, right? The late rehearsal nights or the practices before competition or the the curler party or the after the game celebration. Like Those are the things that you think back and you remember these social connections through shared experiences with others that can make you nostalgic. And I, I think we bring a lot more depth to an idea like nostalgia when we 
we look at it on these different levels. You know, it makes me think about how, uh, you know, if a parent really enjoyed a, a overnight camp experience as a child, that they will likely enroll their child into an overnight camp and spend their hard-earned dollars and their time and their kids' time doing that. And so what's interesting about nostalgia is then we even start to see it come into play generation after generation as parents embed the things that they're nostalgic for into their kids then creating nostalgia in them as well. But that Very Well Mind article did have a quote, and I want to share this here, that says that nostalgia can also have positive effects on physical health. For example, nostalgia has been shown to boost immune function and reduce stress levels. This is why it was used in World War II. They would distribute pictures of of home cities and hometowns. They would play music that would make people feel familiar of their homes in order to boost that uh, immune function, reduce those stress levels. And nostalgia can also help to increase life satisfaction and reduce anxiety. However, because it has those really great qualities to it, it's often used by those who are anxious. It's used by those who are struggling. And so it can be a little bit of this catch 22 in that, yes, it can be healthy for you, but it can also take a downturn if it begins to run unconsciously in your life. Right. If you start to make that a habitual coping pattern without finding other things to bring in and and, and build liking and um, excitement and energy around, then that can be detrimental to us. Uh, and from another article from Medical News Today, we hear, based on the current research, research, stopping the cycle of loneliness may involve looking into the past for confidence and encouragement. Now, this is uh, right out of Neuroscience 101, too, that we know, right, that we can anchor ourselves to experiences in the past in order to bolster confidence for things coming in the future, which means that when we look back, we can say, I succeeded at this, or I was connected during that time, or there has been a time in my life where I felt like things were together. And we can put a anchor in there from a, from a neuroscience perspective that helps us feel that emotion when we come into difficult times, or we think about that certain memory, especially if we can t- condition ourselves to do so. So it's interesting to see, I think that we are able to use nostalgia for good in our lives, or we can let it run our lives unconsciously and end up being a bad thing. But in our next segment, we definitely want to address how some corporations, as Kay's been alluding to, use this for their benefit of profits. And sometimes we think maybe not in the most moral way. If you're hearing all this culture talk and want to be a part of a thriving, growing culture, we want to invite you to be a part of Squeeze In. Squeeze In Franchising offers you the chance to bring a culture and a vibe like Squeeze In to your community. You can make money. You can get time freedom for you and your family. We would love to have you as part of our Squeeze In family. Join us in the ownership team and go to squeezein.com slash franchising. Do you want what you want sooner rather than later? Do you find yourself growing more effectively in environments where people are growing alongside you? Well, we have the conference for you. Do you love going to events as much as we do? Then you want to be in the room for the Further Faster Conference happening October 29th and October 30th in Las Vegas, Nevada. Now, the Further Faster Conference is headlined by our dear friend, mentor, and business partner, Joseph McClendon III. And trust us, you're going to want to be in the room. This is two days jam-packed of material that will help you grow personally and professionally. And if you're wondering how to make a million dollars in 10 years, you have to be in the room to hear the strategy that Joseph is going to share. It is phenomenal. Go to neuroencoding.com slash F 
FC to learn more about the Further Faster Conference coming at the end of October. We hope to see you in Vegas. And now back to the show. You're enjoying this episode on Angel Phoenix Productions Podcast Network. To explore a complete lineup of quality programs and media production services, head on over to angelphoenix.com or like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Angel Phoenix Productions. So we ended up our last segment talking about some of the positive benefits of nostalgia, but there are negative effects of nostalgia as well. Some of those include causing people to dwell on the past and therefore become unhappy with their present. It can make people less likely to take action in the present, and it can get people to rely on false memories or idealization while ignoring unpleasant realities of the time at hand, which is something that's really interesting to consider, uh, considering that Shyla and I had a very interesting experience with nostalgia and a very large corporation very recently. Well, as we talk about those negative effects and impacts on an individual, we can also talk about it from one of the negative impacts about nostalgia is that it can be exploited and it can absolutely be exploited for good and for profits or maybe even something worse. But this was our experience recently. Now, for those of you who are those longtime listeners, you know, we have a deep respect for Disney we have a love for the characters and the stories and we have a lifetime of loyalty to the brand. So a lifetime of loyalty. Now, where did the lifetime come from? It came from the fact the seeds are actually started about two generations ago with our dad and his parents who grew up in Southern California and Disneyland opened right before he was born. So he has all of these memories of going to Disneyland as a young boy, of it being this beacon, of it being this special place. And he learned the ropes and he knew the places. So when he had kids, fast forward to his the generation where he's having kids what do you think Disneyland meant to him taking his kids there it meant everything and he got to show his kids hi that's us all of those ropes all of those memories all of those thrills all of those things and as we grew up not only did we form our own childhood memories around Disney and the experience particularly of Disneyland but we also carried forward generationally our father's love and deep respect for this brand and for this experience at Disneyland so much so that that we've made it a major priority in our life to take positions for vacations, for movies, for costumes, for clothes, for it's, it's truly that there's art. Like I, everywhere I look right now, I'm like, wow, I have Disney all over my house. But our experience recently of going to Disneyland with our families put a, a lifted a veil that I don't know can be put back down. And that's actually why we're talking about nostalgia here today. Now we had a wonderful time at the parks from a checklist perspective. We ate the churros, the corn on the cob was shared, the turkey leg was passed around the meat eating members of our family. Uh, the rides were ridden. We rode like 25 rides while we were there. We did the Incredicoaster three times. My daughter did the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. Like we had a, uh, a from a checkbox perspective, a really wonderful experience. But there was a point, probably I would say 
of the beginning of the second day that we were in the parks where our kids are melting and sick. Our families are bickering because it's hot and uncomfortable. We can't decide on what to do. Everybody feels pressured with the time that we have there. And in this moment of stress, we look around us and the other families are fighting and melting and eating and sick. And we're like, is anybody actually having fun here at the happiest place? on earth. And as we started to examine that for ourselves, we were like, wow, that's really interesting. So why are we even here? And the messaging that came back ended up leading us to today's discussion. Right. We had talked about when we first checked into our hotel and leading up to the trip, this is something everyone in our family has been counting down to, how grateful we were for this spark, this love from our dad. And we still are dad. The most amazing memories, and we know you listen, uh, have been made with you. And we and we've, will always cherish those. We talked about that with the kids leading into it. But it seemed like this time as we checked in, as we engaged with the staff, as we moved through the park, it was more crowded than it had ever been, that it was more expensive than it had ever been, that the, that the magic of the eye contact with the cast members just seemed to be swinging and missing. In fact, there was more observed cast members being unhappy than we've ever seen before. And this mixture of factors as we look around at the crowd and the money and the indulgence, my goodness, the indulgence from the food to the spoiling of the kids to the $75 t-shirt in the boutique, it started to feel like no longer was the relationship there for us to give us the good part of the nostalgia. The transaction was apparent, which made us see the negative effect of the nostalgia. And like I said, the veil went up and and it, we see it in a new light. It was very interesting. All of a sudden, the rides were no longer immersive. I'm looking at all the background stuff of the rides and the mechanics of it and thinking, you know, if I can find positive things to say, it's about the mechanism of capitalism and the business that's at play here. And when my entrepreneurial mind, when our entrepreneurial minds start going off saying what we appreciate here is the entrepreneurial perspective of a, a capitalistic engine, we start to see it from a business perspective and that that lifts the veil. It creates this separation. All of a sudden, we're, we're on the side of like, wow, this is a money-making machine and they're capitalizing off of the fact that we'll spend the $120 to get into the park. We'll spend the $15 to do the lightning lane. We'll spend the additional $30 dollars for the other two lightning lane passes on top of that. We'll pay the, the $25 for the notches. We'll do all of those things. Why? Because we have such a strong sense of nostalgia from our childhood that it makes us numb to the expense to both our families and to ourselves. Now, it's not that we can't afford it, but at this place, it's it's do we want to afford this uh, for the sake of trying to relive nostalgic experiences that we had in our past? Because truth be told, when uh, my kids were real little, like the twins were four, Annadelle's newborn, Kay's kids haven't come along yet. We did kind of a ragtag first time. Now we're taking our kids. Now we're talking the third generation going to Disneyland. And we stayed at the Best Western across the street and we hit the parks like ragamuffins and we had the 
best time. Like the best time. The kids went to bed exhausted, just pouring out gratitude and so happy. And then the next time we went, we were like, let's save up money and stay on property. And we did. And guess what? We had the best time. We had so much fun. It was so cool. And it was this new experience to be kind of immersed in the parks and get to see it from that angle. And so this time we said, well, then let's recreate that. Let's well, I mean, stay there that, again. We went to Florida. Oh, then we went to Florida. Right. We did seven days in Florida, but we were there for the Disney Princess Half Marathon. And in our retrospect, we think that that's what anchored us really in that experience of maybe not seeing this transactional piece uh, for what it is earlier on. But then this time with the experience in Anaheim, it was like we've had so many great memories. Let's recreate it. And what we recently learned in Michael Singer's Living Untethered is when he talks about how specifically many of us have an experience that we enjoy. And then instead of just savoring that memory and loving it, we just strive to recreate it. But guess what? It's never going to be recreated the same way. And even if it was, you're not the same person. Your expectations have shifted and therefore you won't experience it the same way, which can let you down, which can put you into this cycle then of like, then I have to strive for more. I have to recreate it better. I have to stay at the better place. I have to get the upgraded thing. I have to, there must be a place where I can recreate that feeling. And we think we might've hit that ceiling for us with Disneyland. So not that we're swearing off Disney, <laughs> but we're excited to maybe redirect some of that focus, energy, money, investment, both in uh, monetarily and in, in energetic time into some other things and see, see what can emerge for us when we break the chains of nostalgia decision-making. So look, if you have any suggestions for us on brand new things that we should try with our family, we are open, we are game. We want to travel. We want to experience we love some theme new parks. Things. We love nature. Yeah, probably <laughs> going to take Disney off uh, for the next at least five years for our family, um, which is, has been an interesting thing to reflect upon. One thing that we have discussed quite a bit is the fact that we've changed a lot since 2019. And chances are you've changed a lot too, right? We've been through hell of a time over these last three years as a family, as a human family together. And it's been difficult for everyone. And we've all changed in some really interesting ways. And I, I think Shai will unpack this as the week goes on, discussing the ways that we've changed, the ways that you change over time and how nostalgia affects those decision makings and what you can do about it to break free if maybe you find yourself inside the rhythm. So we hope you've enjoyed this first opening into the topic of nostalgia. Tune in the rest of the week for all of the mini-sodes with accompanying stories, more research, and exciting new perspectives. We hope this has been valuable for you, as always, with love from your sisters, Kay and Shy. This podcast was a production of Angel Phoenix Productions. Explore more episodes of this show or other great shows on the Angel Phoenix Podcast Network by visiting angelphoenix.com. The views expressed in this show do not necessarily represent those of Angel Phoenix Productions or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners.